guys. Welcome back. Episode two, Let's Green go. Teamers Pod. Super excited to be here. Um, yeah, let's get started. Kind of week before the trade deadline. It's going to be some interesting stuff to talk about with that. Uh, but before we get into that, we're going to kind of recap this week like we did last time. Um, so we had two two big games, I would say, at home. Uh, one against the Nets and one against the Suns. Uh, very different outcomes, though. And I think we're going we're gonna to dive do a little dive into why that happened. But overall, I think... Well, so we're going to start with the Nets game. I think for anyone that watched, they know that was a super fun game. It really showed what this team's capable of when they're locked in. Um, and then I think it can also, I don't know. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, so very obviously, as you said, very different games. The Nets game, I, I'd say we probably played the best we can play. Yeah, that's our the, uh First quarter was insane. That's like the best I've seen. Tatum and Brown were just unguardable. Yeah. The, the Nets had no hope. Um, Eight for nine, I think, from three to start the game was pretty sick. Just kept going, kept yeah. chucking. The uh, the Nets have nobody. They have no wing defense without yeah. Katie and Ben Simmons. I right. guess Royce O'Neal's sort of, but like they, they have no chance. Even when Ben Simmons plays, though, he's kind of just like a foul machine. <laughs> I saw something about him having more fouls than like points scored or like shots taken, something like that. Not surprising. Which is he's better than uh, Seth, Seth Curry and Joe Harris. Though, yeah, at, that's for sure. Checking these guys, but no doubt. How good do you think KD is defensively, though? Also, I think he's great. Yeah, I think you think he can go. I think he's Tatum like a top. I mean, I think he can do a pretty good job. Yeah, I think he's like a top top ten wing defender. Okay. Okay, high praise for KD here. I know. Big KD fan. Do you? Um, do you disagree? I think he's like a rim protector. He can. He's so yeah. long. He can do like he's. He's very long. He's he's definitely. Um, he's got a good size and he can match up well with Jalen or Tatum. But I'm kind of biased because of the playoffs, <laughs> and I think even in that first game we played against them this year Could when do. the Nets were healthy, Tatum just went to work. I mean, like I don't know. He can definitely guard everyone else on the team. But I feel like Tatum's probably still got his number. So I don't know how much of a difference he would have made on the defensive end. But they definitely missed him out there scoring-wise because Ky- Kyrie was cold. Garden, the Garden was in his head. Boston fans, <laughs> per usual, rattling him. And he only scored like 20 points, I think. Didn't even play in the fourth. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought that was a very good game. And that should be what the Celtics aspire to do every night when they come locked in. And as we're going to see in a, in a little bit when talking about the Suns, when they're not locked in, they look like a shadow of themselves pretty much. And I feel like we're seeing a trend where when the big games, when the good teams come in to the Garden or they go out there for the big games, they're always locked in. They want to win those games. They come prepared and they play really well. I agree with this. And then with the lowly mid-level teams – that I feel I just feel like they can they feel like they can slip by like 50% effort and then they come out with zero energy they come out really flat and then we just see them struggle turning the ball over missing open shots not moving the ball I think so we're kind of transitioning into the Suns game but against the Suns I think at one point they had like I think it was in the second or third quarter they had like five assists 
total as a team, which is very uncharacteristic of them. You want to know why? No, I know why, but you can say it. Marcus. Yeah, Marcus Smart. They need, need Marcus back. Yeah. Clearly. Um, but yeah, let's let's pop back to the Nets for a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Quickly. So, I mean, do you have any any takeaways from that or just <laughs> when when we hit shots we're the best best team in the league? Uh that I also think defensively just shows what we're capable of doing. Yeah. Which we don't do every game. Um when we can hold teams under 100 points, which we we saw all of last year. Yep. And less this year, I think it's cuz of no Ime, but I think that Ooh, some Ime. Yeah, I'm a big Ime fan. But I think that it all starts on the defensive end because we can get those transition pl- – like the transition, fast break points, the easy points, and that really gets the momentum going. And then we start yes. hitting shots from all that energy. So I think that's why it all starts on the defensive end. And that's the big thing with the big games. I feel like when you see the Nets coming into Boston, they're like, all right, it's game time. Like, let's lock in. And then they try so hard to shut down Kyrie or whoever it is. And then they it translates into easier points. Um, I just wish they would do it every game is the issue, and they don't. Yeah, it, it does seem to be like a bit of a uh, on and off thing. I yes. don't know if that's just because – I think I mentioned this last podcast, but we've had the best record the entire season. Right. So I don't know if, it's, if there's as much um, sort of – like need to right That's to to really turn it on like it's it's a long season yeah. um this is kind of a big thing from like some of lebron james's Cavs teams kind of by right. the end it's like the regular season doesn't like matter. He, lebron knew he'd be there yeah. deep into the playoffs yeah. so it's like it's a little tough to turn it on every night and i feel like last year the second half of the year we had to turn it on every night no choice we had we yeah. wouldn't have had home court in the the playoffs at all, like right. the first round, whatever. And we we were honestly in the play-in for most of the season, right? Yeah, until, true. Until January, so I think maybe a little. It's it's that a little bit, but like we still have the best record in the league. Yeah. Um, but but definitely, it would be nice to see us sort yeah. of turn it up and be able. So to So you think stick they're it. just a little too comfortable right now? I mean, it's tough to. Because I agree with that. It's and tough I, to say. I I would say so. Yeah. Yes. But it's like we don't I don't want to <laughs> go on like a losing streak, so we're right, not comfortable. Right. So it's, no, that's true. It's tough to balance it. I think it's good that the Bucks and the Sixers are playing so well and they're right on yeah, our heels. Yeah, keep them right on our butt. I hope that will motivate them because I think having the one seed will be huge this year in the playoffs. Um but I also think if you look back historically, the last like like ten years since the Pierce and left some of the most fun Celtics teams to watch were those underdog teams that had like had zero expectations. Yeah. Everyone thought that they were not going to be good. And then they would come out and blow everyone out and play like incredibly well. And they were so gritty and like just so fun to watch. And I feel like it's so fun that we're the best team in the league and we're so deep and all that. But I feel like that identity is really important to kind of maintain even while you're really good. And you just lost in the finals to the Warriors. You blew a game four at home. They could have been up 3-1. I'd like to see that more visibly in their identity of being gritty and being underdogs and having these expectations of, you know, yeah, you're expected to go to the finals and win the title, but use what you failed at last year a little bit more. I know Tatum and Brown talk about it all the time, but it's not always visible in how they play, which bothers me. When's Marcus back? Good question. 
I was thinking about that today. Later, we're going to do predictions for the games this week, and I was thinking about maybe predicting Marcus comes back for the Sixers game. Okay. And then I thought about it a little bit more. Are and they just going to hold him out? Knowing the Celtics, I think I would not be surprised if they just held him out break. to the All-Star break. And I'm not against that because yeah, I want him. Funny. He's so important to our team, and it's way more important that he plays against the Sixers in the playoffs than in, like, Wednesday January February. or February. Yeah. yeah. So we'll I'm see. With that. Yeah, we'll but yeah, see. there's not. I mean, not sort of a ton to t- <laughs> a ton else to kind of take away from the Nets game. Yeah. Shot insanely well, just yeah. blow out all the way through. Kept the foot, foot on the gas. So, yeah. you good to move on to uh, Phoenix? Yeah, let's do it. Sweet. Some more more important takeaways I feel like from that game, also. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you can kick us off with that. So yeah, tough, tough one. Um, I <laughs> I feel like. The energy was just, I don't know, it was cold out. <laughs> yeah. But the, the players weren't ready. It was it was a tough game. Um, a bunch of them kind of didn't really look like they wanted to be here. I think, no, not at as all. you said before, the Suns haven't been great this year and obviously did not have Devin Booker. He's their best player. So the Celtics were probably like, all right, we can, like, we just blew the Nets out by 40. We can. Similar to uh, walk what in happened. Here and beat them. Um, what happened to, remember against the Thunder with no Shea? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Something like that. Although, in the Suns game, something I would like to give the Celtics credit for, no matter what game, no matter who we're playing, if we're down, I don't have a shred of doubt in my mind that we won't come back. That's how tough this team is. That's how good this team is. Within two minutes, I feel like a 10-point lead against us can disappear in an instant, which is incredibly important when a playoff comes around. Yeah, I'm with that. And just in general for this team, I feel like that is something that kind of get, I don't see too much about it. I feel like it's very unique to this team and I love watching it. But at the same time, I feel like we find ourselves in those positions too much (laughs) and against the wrong teams. Yeah, that's a definitely a good point. I think, Oh, I'm about to shit on Tatum. Ooh, you want to shit on him now or you want me to? No, you say what you want. Give me, give me a sec here. So, I would say a pattern I've seen. This actually is, I think, on Tatum and Brown a good amount. Um, I feel like when we are not hitting shots, we tend to settle a ton mm-hmm. for threes, mm-hmm. and our defense, energy, and effort yep. go way down. Like you saw against the Nets, yep. hit everyone was hitting absurd shots, and right. we we had it the whole the whole game. Energy was up, everything. Against Phoenix, shots weren't falling especially for Tatum and Brown right? and especially Tatum, which you're about to talk yeah. about, I think in a sec, but, but yeah, when that happens, we got to be able to like drive hard to the, exactly. like Tatum didn't make it too. Exactly. I, he did get to the line a bunch. That's what I was going to, yeah. so a little credit there, but like you got to right. figure out how to, how to keep playing hard and, and bring in the, the level of intensity you need exactly. when your shots aren't falling. Exactly. So. That's, that's perfect segue actually into the Tatum piece. So Tatum was three for fifteen in the Suns game. He was three for ten just from threes, which means he took five two pointers. Let's assume they were all layups. He got to the line twelve he shot twelve free throws. Why are you shooting ten three pointers, okay, in a game where you're easily getting to the free throw line, driving to the basket? Think about if he had driven if he had if he was three for twenty with five more attempts in the paint think about how many more free throws he probably would have had this is part of the settling thing i feel like 
Um, t- we see it with Tatum. I feel we see it with Tatum a lot more. Tatum than does have a. Uh, this is kind of annoying to say, but he. I think he has sort of a tough whistle, so I don't know if that goes Maybe. into it a little bit for him. Maybe he's I might like, push back a little bit just because yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. shooting a lot of free throws lately. Yeah. So I feel like he does get calls when he needs them, but he settles for threes so much, and especially on nights when he's not going. I get it that he has a green light. And I get it that he's Jason Tatum and he can shoot whatever he wants. But I feel like if he is more aggressive, going to the paint, seeing shots easier shots fall in, then that will make his three-point shooting a lot better. But when you're automatically settling just for three-pointers, chucking them up without, like, even what I hate the most is when he dribbles the ball up. No pass, no ball movement. It's a couple quick dribbles you're already under 10 seconds on the shot clock step back step back three like so he was what are you doing is not awful like i get i get it's the sentiment more than the actual I think numbers it's, but yeah okay it, it, he wasn't 30 percent you're right isn't bad but the fact that I do agree. there's only three yeah, makes yeah, were yeah, from yeah. three and he shot 10 of his 15 shots from three it's a it's a bad to, like proportion of threes to twos yeah. is what i'm trying to say but I will give him credit, only two turnovers, which we were shitting him a lot last week for turning the ball over a lot. So props to him for that. Still somehow find a, found a way to be plus one. Something that stood out to me. Look at the bench. Plus minuses. Is that Brogdon, Brogdon was a minus 28. He actually Grant didn't even seem that bad. But right, exactly. That's why I'm very surprised. I was very surprised. Say the Grant one. Say the Grant, Grant one. Grant was minus 24. Matt, Matt, do you want to? Talk about Grant a little bit. Yeah, a little bit about Grant right yeah. here. I feel like I get into this with everyone. Everyone's always like, "Oh, should we resign Grant? What do, what do we do with him?" And Yegev over here at the beginning of the year, at least, was yeah, a was big Grant he, guy. He was like, "Oh, I give 20, 22 mil a year." Like, I go up to twenty. I was in that camp. He, not he was anymore. he was there now. So now you're fading. I've always been a uh, you got to cut the line hard at, yeah. at 15, 14 and. I think the first few months he was playing out of his mind and making a lot of money every game. Past month, I think he's regressed to the mean. I don't think he's playing worse than he should. I think maybe some decisions he's making are a result of how good he was playing, and I think those will slowly shift back to his normal um, like shot selection, for example. Um, and, yeah, I think he's back into that hard line of 15 mil for next year if we're going to resign him. Um but yeah, hopefully he turns it around. I think the All Star break will be really good for the bench guys to kind of reset. Um, hey, and if you just take a quick look, Matt, Luke Cornett again, neutral Cornett, <laughs> plus one against the Suns. And Matt and I were both at the. We went to the Nets game together. I was rooting heavy for Cornett. It well, might have gone up too because it was plus yeah, one with was. like five minutes left. Matt was praying on his downfall the whole game, but finished with a plus ten, twelve points. Four assists, four rebounds. Come on. It's a perfect guy off the bench. All right. I, got, I, have, I have a question for you. Let's hear it. So you're a huge Luke Cornette praiser. I'm a stan. And so I feel like whenever we talk about the trade deadline, though, you're always sending me all these backup bigs to yeah. get. Is that because you're not actually confident in Luke Cornette? So great question. I think last year... In the finals, my heart broke when I started seeing Pritchard and Derek White and Grant Williams, who had been 
hitting their sh- like the shots they should be making, open threes in the corner. Hey, Derek, one layups, one, baby. you know, easy shots that you're not like you don't need to be a star to make. They started missing them in the finals when like the only time it matters. And so I love Cornette. I think he's great for his role right now. I'm just very skeptical of how it's going to continue into the playoffs, then hopefully into the finals, which is why I think we need a little bit more of an established guy coming off the bench. And knowing okay, our great. injury history, hopefully Rob stays healthy. If Rob isn't healthy, Cornette, I feel I can fill that role well. But if it's Rob and Horford out, then you're really fucked. Yeah, it can't be. Cornette it can't just be Cornette. I, I actually agree with this sentiment. Like, I I don't – Cornette can play 10 minutes a game in the yeah. regular season. Fine. Who cares? He's he's not right. – I mean, he's fine. But I guess my whole thing with him is he, he can't play meaningful minutes in the exactly. playoffs. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, that's fair. Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I really hope they make a move for a front court guy. Um, but that's also just because I like the excitement. I feel like every deadline, <laughs> every deadline, I'm hoping they make a move. Last year was sick with Derek White. Um, I feel like our needs aren't as big as last year. Um, but getting ahead of it with another front court guy. Uh, could be really huge, especially when I'm thinking the Bucks are going to get someone good. I think the Sixers will probably make a move. So I'm I'm more worried about making a move to keep up with everyone else because I don't think we're that much ahead of them right now, and a move for them could really make a difference. So I feel like to maintain our advantage, we need to do something? beef up the bench give a little me, bit. Give me your uh... – Top three East teams in order that you're most scared of in the playoffs. Okay. In order, you can start at three. Give me a three, two, one. Get some. That I'm most scared of anyone in the East. Yep. Okay. Yep. So let me think. I have one, two, and then uh, I'm not going to give the Sixers that much credit. <laughs> All right. If you had asked me like a few days ago, Brooklyn. Could low key be my three. My three. <laughs> Brooklyn's out. But I'm gonna actually go Cleveland at three. Yeah. Okay. Miami. <laughs> Dude, I'm scarred. You know this. And then Milwaukee. Most scared of Milwaukee by far. Holy shit! No Philly. No Philly. We own Philly. Whoa, no Philly. What a take. Well, what? we no, not that we own Philly. That's obvious. Yeah. No. Philly. No. No. But uh, much better Philadelphia team than we've seen in the past for sure with Harden. Just you're more scared but it's of the Philly, the man. It's Philly. We we know how to defend Embiid. I feel like we have really good battles with him, but our guys know how to defend him. And then, I don't know, I feel like Harden's kind of a fraud in the playoffs. And I don't know, I just trust our defense enough. I think that's a series where our defense wins it for us. I don't know. That's just how I feel. How, do, how about you? What are your top three? So I'm going to start with the obvious one. One, I'm going to go the other order, is is Milwaukee. Right. With Giannis and all that. It's it's them, no question. Mm-hmm. I think Cleveland has to make a move. Right. For a wing. Okay. Some shooter. Because they, they have four spots, like totally, like Garland, Mitchell in the backcourt, and then... Mobley, Jared Allen in the front court, I think is Studs. like is very elite. Great scoring, great defense from the big two guys. Like right. they got a lot. 
I think they have a little bit of trouble figuring out that fifth spot. Mm-hmm. Like Isaac Okoro cannot sh- shoot. Yeah, he, can't. he won't even be guarded. And Karis LeVert, he had that sick game against us early in yeah. the year, but he's not. He has not been great. Right. A lot of talk about him moving. Yeah. So I think if they can get a guy there, it could be really good. Yeah. <laughs> and they've beaten us twice this year already. They have. They may be they a couple years tough. away. They, I definitely don't see them winning it this year or making it far by any means, but I just feel like they match up really well with us. Um, and so if we see them in the first round especially, that's kind of a nightmare, although it looks very unlikely. But I would be kind of worried in a second-round matchup. I, I wow. would not be too excited about seeing them. Mitchell's pretty legit. Yeah, he is. I He's a stud. Mitchell and I'd also like to point players. out, again, I, I wanted to make sure I got this stat correct. But another reason I'm not scared of the Sixers in the playoffs, you know what Joel Embiid is against us in the playoffs? Are you going to say his record? Yeah. Shout out StatMuse. One and eight. One and eight. Let's go. All right. So until Embiid proves himself, I guess, he's getting no respect from me. So that's why I'm not really worried about the Sixers. Bubble sweep and then. Bubble sweep and then four and one. The with first the, year with the Kyrie injury. Was that, that one. was that the. The fake when the they thought they won, yeah, yeah, the confetti game, yeah, that was an all time. Yeah, love that series. You got that Marcus that Morris, Morris yeah, yeah, three one in yeah. his face. And then that summer, I remember there was a Tatum and Embiid workout, and Tatum was chirping him a little bit, and he's like, "What was it like four and one?" Chirping him about the playoffs. So good. there's a good little rivalry there, but it's kind of very one sided. Um, so yeah, I think with that we can kind of start talking about the trade deadline. I'm very excited. To see what happens. Let's just quickly talk about the Kyrie stuff. Just get it out of the way. But are we shocked? Are you surprised? No. No? No, no, no. You want to share your thoughts about Kyrie? Oh, man. I can I, share mine. But yeah, you go first. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. I think it, I just feel bad for Nets fans because I know how they feel. And I think any team that trades for him that isn't the Lakers are idiots. And especially the Mavs. Ooh. Yeah. What about Clippers? I think they're dumb. Oh. Think about a team with Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, two of the uh, most like bizarre so personalities in this. the league, and then Paul George, like he who's like fine personality <laughs> wise, but it's just I feel like three guys who need the ball in their hand. How is that gonna work? And I feel like the only person that can like control Kyrie is LeBron. So that's why I, for the Lakers <laughs> I, feel I feel like, like it what makes the Clippers sense. have right now is like Good enough. It's not working though. No. Definitely. So like, why not try think, to upgrade from your John Wall, Reggie Jackson? Maybe. I, I agree. The Nets probably wouldn't take their offer, but like, cool. I, I think obviously Kawhi, Paul George are do sort of need the ball in their hands, but I don't think it's as crazy. Like, remember the Nets with KD, Harden, Kyrie? How that like really worked for a little while. Kind of. And I think well, it well did until K- that one year until. Um, Kyrie and Harden got hurt in the playoffs. Right, right. They would have made the fun. They would have won it all that year. But um, I think Kawhi and Paul George a- actually need the ball a lot less than really? Harden and Durant do. I think Harden is very good at moving the ball. He's like a triple double guy. I don't like know every about night. moving the ball. He's he's good about getting making assists. that last pass. Yeah. and getting assists. But like, I think Paul George can kind of be a bit of a catch and shoot player at times. Kawhi a little bit, a little bit less so. But like. I feel like Harden 
sort of needed the ball a ton. Like maybe Kyrie would defer a little to Kawhi too and become a shooter. Like Kyrie's an insane shooter. Yeah, they're all all three of them are great shooters. So I feel like they could figure something out. But I get what you're saying. I, I so I think the on court fit is a little bit better than you do. But I think the off court fit yeah. would just be. Whack. That's kind of what I was gonna talk about. Ty Lue though might actually be able to control. Do you think Kyrie he's a, a good bit. coach? I do. You do? Do you, you not? I think he's fine. I think. Yeah, I think he's fine. I don't think he's anything special. I just don't see for like how a team that's struggling so much right now, how throwing in like a toxic personality like Kyrie can help in any shape or form. But who knows? But like like you said, I don't think their package for Kyrie would be attractive to the Nets. Do you think so? The Clippers have a shot to win the West as it is. Um if you asked me at the if, beginning of the year, I would have said, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. they were like my favorite. But right now, if you say no right no, now, then no. wouldn't that push the, you the to nuggets say, look unstoppable. go get Kyrie? Maybe. But it also depends what more, like how, how much more of your assets that you already don't have a lot of are you giving up for a guy? And are you going to re-sign him this summer and give him the four years that he wants? Because he wants four years and it doesn't seem like anyone wants to give him four years, not even the Lakers. I saw a report that they only want to give him yeah, two. Yeah, no, there's no way any team gives him. With LeBron, yeah. No way any team gives him four. So like, if if the Clippers know what they have isn't going to work, if they know that they're not going to win right now, and if getting Kyrie doesn't really tip the ball anymore, aren't you better off just waiting out the George and Kawhi contracts than having at least some assets to rebuild? Wow. I don't know. You're giving up already. So I think. Moving on from the Clippers, a little little more Kyrie talk if you're good with that. Yeah, yeah. I think the two like most intriguing teams for Kyrie are neither of the LA teams. Uh, wow. I'm gonna go Phoenix and Dallas. Yeah, I will be very sad if he goes so to Dallas. So Dallas would be crazy because it's like Luka. Dallas has been trying to get a second star to pair with Luca forever, right. and so I I just think. For their sake, it is probably too risky because I think the Lucas situation, like obviously he's a Dallas Maverick for now, but like there's always talk about right. if they can't figure it out, if they can't get that second star, like will he just, will he dip? Will he go somewhere yeah. if Dallas can't get it for him? So like this would be a huge risk because Kyrie could just blow up and honestly yeah. push Luca out, but it also could, like if, if Kyrie's focused and, and, yeah. and, plays well then it could it could really help them yeah. so what, do, what are your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm gonna keep it very straightforward with the Mavs with the Mavs part of this I think that putting in someone like Kyrie alongside Luca I feel like Luca also has a very strong personality I'm not I I'm so against that I love Luca I think he's an amazing player and I think giving him Kyrie is just like a just mean <laughs> it's just mean and he's gonna have to deal with Kyrie and his antics and it's just so Luca's been talking about that. I don't like, think get, they would get along. Dude I don't wants know. more help. I know, but is Ky- I don't think Kyrie's the help. I feel like they need like a wing, not like another guard. Because mm-hmm. again, Kyrie needs the ball in his hands, and Luca always has the ball in his hands. So okay, my argument with that, for that is. The Mavericks, I get as your second star, you probably don't want this, but the Mavericks have maybe two people right now who can. Who right. can f- dribble the ball and initiate Christian the Wood offense? Not even Christian Wood. Oh, who? I'm going Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie. Yeah, Wood, like Wood's good, but he he can't yeah. initiate anything. He no, can't I, start I, stuff. He needs to get the ball. So like, th- they have two 
I'd say playmakers. Obviously, Woods a bit of a playmaker for himself, but they right. have two guys who can run the offense, two guys who can dribble. So, like in a Kyrie trade, Dinwiddie would obviously go out, and then pick or two. I don't, I don't necessarily totally know what, but yeah. like they, they do need more playmakers to take some of the pressure off of Kyrie, off of Luca. That's fair. so I could maybe see it depending on the price. It's risky. It's yeah, really I think risky. it's risky and I don't think you experiment with Luca like that. I think you get your other star in like free agency or if another star wants out in the future. I think the Suns is a lot more interesting. Yeah, hey, this, I think they're the only team good. that they a trade can be done where both teams remain Brooklyn contenders. Stays a contender. yeah. yeah. So as a Celtics fan, I hope that doesn't happen. Say why? Cuz I think a- Aiden Aiden would be on the move. Do you think it's Aiden and Aiden and Chris Paul? No, I think it would only be Aiden. I, I know you think it's going to be Chris Paul. I think so it would be Aiden. Why would the Suns get, have both, though? Uh, I get, like, the Nets would want... Aiden would be cool, but... C, I don't know. CB3, Kyrie, and Boker. I don't think that's awful. I think that's pretty good. You know still. how bad that is on defense, though? I know, I know, but... Sick on there's, offense. There's but. so many more reports about CB3 staying put and, like, the Suns having no intention of moving him. That's and then so, so many things about Aiden barely playing... Needing a restart needs like a new a new environment needs somewhere to like start fresh, and so I, that's why I think that Aiden would be on the move. But. I don't think the Suns would do that because it it's actually interesting to think about how like overpowered that offense would be. Yeah, but they have no big men if they trade Aiden. They don't like yeah. no big men. Who do they have playing right now? Like right now they have. So their new starting center would be Jock Landale. <laughs> but half of you don't know who that is. Like right now they play a lot of small ball so fours. Like Dario Saric plays four or like Toy yeah, Craig will play a, a little or Do they trade someone with Kyrie? I mean, I guess if it's a double if it's a double type move. Yeah. What about all right, I'm gonna throw one out real quick. Mm-hmm. Who says no to Kyrie and Claxton for Aiton and Chris Paul? I know you're big on Chris Paul mm, staying. That'd be cool. Who says no to that? Uh, the 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 Nets because Claxton's like unbelievable. Wow! So Claxton's the worst basketball Actually, player out of the four. Depends how high they are on Aiton. I'm kind of low on Aiton. Like, what if they're trying to get rid of him? Which seems like, like it seems like it's an it's that's just a cool weird. deal. There's I I think it's, I'll, there's no like clear winner, but I would be a lot happier being the Suns because you get Claxton. I think Claxton's so cool. <laughs> wow. You would be, I love it. You would be more happy for you think you would be happier if you're in the Nets in that deal? I just think it's it's an interesting deal for both teams. Yeah. I think that's the best talent return by far the Nets could get. I think if that happens, the Nets move into top three, top three. Yeah, most scared definitely. teams for the playoffs. For Although like Chris Paul will Chris Paul probably has one or two more years left. Yeah. And Aiton that's is true. like a bit odd but he'd probably be fine in, yeah. uh, in brooklyn in a new new place so like that'd be a really cool deal but it, it's it's interesting i know claxton's been great right and uh in that but but yeah all right let's move on yeah. to you want to talk celtics, celtics yeah let's do celtics deadline some targets you said you have a some names to throw out at me yeah so i got two people that i want all right, let's hear them. Well, more than two people I want. but like Realistically, one. Two people that I would be super interested in doing something for, and they're both bigs. Okay. They're good. like big. Yeah, they're both bigs. So first one is Nas Reed. Okay. Minnesota. I have him on my dynasty team. Ooh. I'm down so for you, that. I don't know if you'd want that, though, because he'd probably. I don't play him in this. 
right, that's right. But I like I like I like Nas Reed a lot. So yeah, he's, he's young. He's just like he's young. He's just active, energetic. He's huge. Huge. Yeah, exactly. Massive. <laughs> he's good. He was good against us on Yeah, uh, he was. He's been good Christmas with Cat right? out too. So like you can see what he can do if Rob is out or Horford. Yeah. So obviously there's a couple caveats to it. Like Towns is out right now. Minnesota's still in the playoff race. He's their starting big. Yeah. Well, well actually, he, does he start? He might not start. Is is he backup Rudy or? Uh, there's no would, way he starts. Be at the, it's yeah, definitely think, McDaniel's and Rudy as the two as the four or five. Yeah, I, think. I got you. But give me a, give me a little fact check for this. So they actually might. Um, he's an expiring contract. Is the only only issue. He'd be a free agent. Yeah. So what would you give up for him? Yeah, he doesn't start. So I mean, he fits in the. Jaden McDaniel starts. Nasrud comes off the bench, okay, plays yeah, like twenty that's minutes. What we okay. How far? Where are the Wolves in the standings? They How are. Far down? Eight seed right now, so mm-hmm. they're in the play-in. Damn. So they're they might they they're might hold the thick him. of it. He's a he's they're on an only, expiring deal. Dude, they're only a game and a half out of the four seed. The West is crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. But they're also like. Two and a half games out of the freaking like third to last in the conference, so it could really go either way. But yeah, I would like Nas Reed. Would you trade a first for him? No. Yeah, you can't because he's expiring. It'd deal. be dumb because you just got to pay him. Yeah. What would you give up? I mean, don't you tr- like? Mm, it's tough because, like, are you gonna? Pay him. Does right. paying him mean you probably stay away from paying Grant? Yeah. Like there's a lot of talks. I mean, Nazarene will be cheaper than Grant because he, he's a backup. They're also just different roles, though, on the team. Like, you would still have a hole to fill if you didn't sign Grant and you signed him. It's yeah. the issue. But he would be a good fit on the team for sure, I think. I mean, he'd be great to go for it here. He fits yeah. in the TPE, obviously, or any of them. Yeah. I don't even know how many we have. I think but we have two. We got a couple. We have a bigger he, one. His salary is only like a million. Oh, that's So perfect. a couple... I mean, do you try to do like similar to the Hachimura deal? Oh you yeah. Just do a bunch of seconds to try to grab yeah, him. Yeah. It, it makes cool. us better this year. Yeah, that w- that would be cool. That would be a big. Don't know if the Timberwolves would do that. Yeah. Don't know if they need like Pritchard in a first or something. I, I it's tough to kind of. Are they pa- are they going to sign him in the off season? Yeah, exactly. Question. It's tough to know their yeah. plans because so. if he's in their future plans, they're not trading him for no, a couple they seconds. Won't. But, and then the other one is been talked about a lot. Similar, similar vibe. Former Timberwolf, Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah. Um, it, like there's going to be a crazy bidding war for him. I yeah. feel like the Sixers want him. They could use him as a backup big because Harold cannot play in the playoffs. Yeah. Who else? Like the bo- a ton of teams. I f- a ton right. of contenders would want him. He's. I just don't know how much we have to offer. Like you trade Pritchard. What's probably. the deal? PP in a first is what you could yeah. do. How much? How much? How many years does he have left on his deal? That's a good question. He's big too, right? Kind of. Yeah, he's he's like six nine, six eight, but he he'd be oh, like a four like five yeah. big. He he's he's good. Yeah, he's six eight. He he's kind of fallen out of favor a little on the Jazz with um Walker Kessler. Yeah, emerging. He's a stud. So Vanderbilt has one more year after this at four. Okay. Point six million. You wouldn't trade a first either for him. No, nah, I would. Oh, you would. Okay. I'd do Pritchard in a, in a first. Okay. I could get behind that. I don't want to trade Pritchard. 
but you might have to. Dude, Pritchard's such a tough case because it's yeah. like he's so great to have if any of the three guys, any of the three point guards exactly. we got go down. But like, and I think anywhere he goes, he's gonna play really he's well. He's just in, like such good in insurance. I yeah. don't know, but like Vanderbilt is. I don't know if I can say this actually because I was gonna say Vanderbilt's better than Grant Williams, but no, he cannot shoot like Grant. Yeah, in the way Grant guarded those those wings last year. Yeah, Grant can guard you, like you can put him on Giannis for a little bit. You can put him on like a LeBron. He I don't know if you can put him on an Embiid just because Embiid's massive, but like yeah, he, KD you can put him on KD for a little bit. Like he's he's a good defender, so. I don't yeah. know. So you'd have to give up first again, my. Yeah, you would. Because all would. the other teams are the bidding. The the price would probably be He's first floor, like yeah. a first round pick as the floor, and then Pritchard. some. So, it's great defender, super yeah. long. I know active. Danny would love Pritchard, so it could actually be more valuable than other offers. Yeah. You just can't shoot, so that is always a bit of a drawback. Yeah. You probably can't play. Like him you and can't Rob. play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. yeah. So it gets a little tougher, but like. <clears throat> Much rather play him in the playoffs than Cornette. Yeah, I agree. Just given his yeah. athleticism. So I have a name for you. Let's hear it. Kelly Olenek. How do you feel? Oh, you brought I this think, up the other day. I think he would be a really good fit. And I think he probably won't be too hard to get. So my issue with him is I think his contract is low-key kind of big. Yeah, so we'd have to do like the Gallo, Gallo, Pritchard, Cornette, and maybe Griffin. <laughs> I feel bad for Gallo. He's been I going know. to everything. I know. Like you always see him posting <clears throat> pictures of him on the bench and stuff. It's like he goes with them everywhere. Him. He's on Twitter after every game, hyping up the team. Oh, it's only twelve. It's twelve. That's not. I thought it was like eighteen, actually. Yeah. So twelve is not too hard to get to. It's a tough one. Yeah. So like the the Jazz obviously would not do. Gallo, Cornette, Blake Griffin for him. Like they would want uh, some valuable pick. asset. They'd want to pick. So what? What pick are you offering? Well, how many years does he have left? One more after this for twelve. It's gonna get tough to pay Grant if you yeah. add that salary, but not impossible. Do you throw first in down the line? Do you? I throw like heavily protected. Yeah, or like twenty twenty five or some shit. I'd do protected. Protect it like top five or something, top ten. Would you do that? Oh my god, Kelly's tough. Great, great shooter. Great shooter. You'd fit in well. Fans would love him. Oh man, kind of stumped. So what? A first in those three guys. So how are we filling those spots? Just yeah, buyout buy stuff out or free Will agents Barton. are hoping. Oh yes, Will Barton. Yeah. Once he gets bought out from the Wizards, he's signing with us. Just heads up, yeah. everyone. <laughs> I agree. All right. I would I mean I guess if you can heavily protect the first and like totally <laughs> I think then I guess the maybe, upside right? like the upside is so high. It's just like I feel like we'd have he a, comes off the bench, right? a really good, another really good guy off the bench. Like that second unit with him and Brogdon. He's kind of a funny guy. I, yeah, he is. <laughs> he's quirky. He's pretty good. Yeah. Shockingly so. good. The Something we might be overlooking is the way it might impact the locker room chemistry-wise, shipping out so many of those dudes. I feel like they're like the, the team's pretty close-knit, so do you think that would have yeah, an, Griffin, a significant impact? Griffin and Cornette both seem like – yeah. 
staples. Like good guys in the locker room. Cornetto is Cornet's funny. Exactly. You saw him walking into the garden eating yeah. a smart cereal the other yeah, day. Yeah, and the ruffles the, the other Tatum day. Tatum ruffles. And I feel like Brad is big on locker room. I just from the past because he knows because he knows how important <laughs> it is. So I don't know. Maybe that could factor in. Yeah, I guess that's more of a yeah a Brad question. Kelly's a tough one, I think for sure. And if, if the deal would happen, it would be interesting to see what we'd give it makes up. You think? But if the Jazz can get a one <laughs> for him, I I feel like they'd do it. Right, right. And what do you think they would just cut those guys? Most of them, like Griffin, Cornette. Cornette, they'd keep Griffin. They'd probably yeah. Griffin, they'd probably yeah. Gallo, what did they do with that? Gallo, they can't really cut. Gallo is a player option for next year. For yeah. What's it like? Whatever the mid-level is. Like So six. Gallo's... I mean, Gallo becomes a pretty good trade piece for them next year as an expiring yeah. to get something of value. So they probably keep that. Um, I don't know. I have... Uh, so our friend Nathan Greenstein. A little shout out. Shout, shout out, Nate. Nathan. Great guy and looks just like Luke Cornett. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Multiple people at the garden have asked him if he's related to Luke Cornett because he looks so much like him. <laughs> so a couple seasons ago, Nate, this is sort of shocking, but you remember when we traded for Bull Bull and yeah. PJ Dozier? Nathan somehow called that yeah. like a month before that the Celtics were getting those two, and he was correct. And so his, his prediction for this year is Pritchard, a first, and then other bench pieces – for Jakob Pertl. Ooh. So I don't think the Pertl's Spurs... on an expiring deal, right? I don't think the Spurs would do this. <clears throat> okay. Do you think the Celtics... Like, I feel like you only do that if, if you're the Celtics, if you're 100% confident you resign him. And then you don't pay Grant, which I'm fine with for Pertl, but... Dude, that's almost too many bigs, though. Could be. It definitely could be. But is that... An, yeah, like you said, is that enough for the Spurs? Or are they planning on not resigning him anyways and they'll they'll take it's it? Tough. They should trade Jakob. Yeah. The Spurs totally should with yeah. where they are. Um, Try to get Wemby. I'm not sure. I mean, I would... Would you be happy with it if it happened? Yeah. Yeah? Like, that's value-wise, that's a great trade. Yeah. He's right. It's similar to the Brogdon deal, kind of. But I don't think I... Like, I don't think the Spurs do it. But, yeah. Nate, if you're right... I'll be, Big I'll be props very, to Nate if you're right. very For happy. Sure. But uh, but For yeah, sure. the fact he's a free agent who will get paid way more he will than get a an lot Oz of money Reed type yeah. makes me a little wary of it. But like, it helps us a ton this year. And it does that would I feel like really set us apart from that gets your insurance, the Bucks and the Sixers, your Williams and yeah. the Horford insurance. Yeah. Do you have any any other names? I feel like we're saying a ton of bigs, not a ton of wings. Yeah. Like, what about? This, I mean, this. Are you this worried about happen. guard insurance or not no. at all with Brogdon, dude? Brogdon hasn't no. started a single game with Smart out. He's still coming off the bench, yeah. and I don't know if I like it. Pritchard. I'd like to see one game, just try it out. See dude, what he happens. calms the, he calms the bench out. He does a ton, and he's not as good with him and. This is something I've kind of seen all year. Him and Jalen do not do not play great together. Like yeah. when everyone's healthy. I love the like, uh, the uh, Brogdon Tatum combo. Yeah, Jalen Smart because we need. I feel like this was this was a bigger agenda earlier in the year. It was kind of all over my Twitter, but uh, 
but Brogdon, Brogdon, Jalen, just combo wasn't working. Jalen mm, kind of needs smart yeah. to, to calm things down, control things. But I guess Brogdon kind of brings that too. But but no, I, I mean, I'm fine with him coming off the bench. Okay, He's still playing a ton. He does play a lot. He calms things down. He's huge. But in the playoffs, do you still keep him off the bench? I mean, if Smart's hurt, no. Yeah, exactly. Well. Right? It's. I feel like it's tough. No, no. If, actually, if Smart's. If Smart's hurt, my answer is yes. Okay. Because you go white. I would want to. St- I, you I go don't love bigs. white starting. I don't love the the Ooh. two bigs more so. I don't so the like. reason why I go, I say white is he's a better defender. Than Brogdon? Yeah. Oh, okay. A little surprising because Brogdon's got Anthony Davis the other day. Yeah. I think white. You want another hot take? Let's hear it. You want to know who else he's a better defender than? Tatum? Uh-uh. Jalen? Marcus. Oh, you think Marcus? Yeah. Former DPOI, Marcus Smart. Smart is... You think he got his flowers last year and he's like kind of turned it down a little? Smart's a good defender. The fact he can guard... He's a great defender. He can guard bigger guys really well. Yeah. I think White is a lot... I think White's quicker than Smart. He is very quick. And can stay with these guys more. White's somehow insane at at blocking and taking charges. Yep. I think White is a is an insanely good defender. He's not as strong as Smart or are Brogdon. You, but are you starting the all defense campaign for Derek White? Yeah, yeah, I'm starting that right now. I know my my dad will be be hyped with that. Yeah. I know he's a big Derek White guy. He's definitely good. He's definitely a great defender. I'm not I'm not arguing with that. They all kind of are though. They, that's just our team for sure, for sure. I don't know though. I, I just feel like Brogdon in the starting lineup is a little bit more forceful and like he's a good and he's I just think if you if we haven't seen him in that role yet so it's hard to like see the impact on the starting lineup but also on the bench in his absence but I I just think he has a, a like more of a point guard presence than anyone else in the definitely. starting lineup definitely but I and think that's what we've been lacking I feel like with smart out yeah 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 right now fair and smart like obviously six, is a better two and point four guard. in the last six is without smart and like a lot of turnovers, barely cracking a hundred points. Like I think we've we've haven't scored. I forget what the exact number is. Um, I'm gonna check really quick. But we ha- we haven't scored a hundred out of the last six games, except the Nets or three times. So like After, yeah. in the loss in our loss in three of the losses. So I feel like that point guard presence, that ability to facilitate the offense, move the ball is very important to our, to this team, and that's why I think Brogdon in the starting lineup would bring that, which Derek White, given that he's a great defender, doesn't. So I'm going to come I'm gonna come back at that and say that I Brogdon obviously brings more of a point guard presence, but I think Brogdon sort of needs the ball. He's, a, he's actually a pretty good catch-and-shoot guy, but I think when he's in a lot, you see him controlling the ball. Whereas White is just a total ball mover. Yeah. And I think when you have Tatum and Brown starting, that's okay. But I do agree we sometimes fall into some lulls, a little bit like we saw in the finals at yeah. times last year, where we right. don't have uh, and I feel a like true initiator. With Tatum and Brown having to facilitate the ball the most now with Smart out, is the turnovers that we're seeing. Dude, Tatum's that's a big reason. Tatum has been pretty good passing the ball but like his assist numbers are still he only averages 4.4 yeah, it's kind of low right which isn't obviously Jalen's at like <clears throat> 2.5 or something I wonder much lower but what, like what the number is with like counting hockey assists 
I feel like it would go up a lot. Yeah, I guess because he gets Cause he doubled starts, a lot, and then it's passed, and yeah, then one more. Exactly. That's a good point. The one more happens a lot. Who's big on the hockey assist? Was Zach Lowe big on it last one year? One of the, one of those guys definitely. But um, so yeah, you you don't think we need another guard in the other line? No, I think yeah, I think we're just set. front court. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So but, yeah, guard out. I'm even fine with trading Pritchard if the right, right deal comes. Um. Yeah. Winger big. What about who else? Jay Crowder? No. He wouldn't start here. So expensive. He I wants feel to like. start on the sun. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it'll be crazy, but there will be a He bidding. would be a good fit. There'll be a bidding war for him. Good as fit. Well. That's a great type of personality and like like toughness to have on this team. I feel like that would be super valuable. Like just getting to see him and Embiid go at each other again in the playoffs would be so fun. But I like you said he wants to start and he's definitely not starting here. Yeah. Which is the only issue. So but other than that, I think he would have been great. Um so do you have any other deadline thoughts before we move on? No, not really. I mean Celtics wise, not really. Okay. Those are kind of the big the big names. We'll see what happens. I, I, oh, one last thing before we finish up this section. My guess is we don't make a trade. <laughs> I think we go to the buyout market. It's usually what happens, but we'll see. Hopefully I'm wrong. Um, so yeah, with that. I agree. Yeah, we'll wrap up the deadline section. I want to touch on something really quick last week. So I did some research. I had that question about Jalen Brown and his free throws. I know this is kind of random. How much better does he shoot after making the first one? So very hard data to find, um, but I found shout out Stathead. They have this event finder feature where you can filter throughout the season of different types of events. So field goal attempts, three-point shot attempts, and they have free throw attempts. So I filtered out all of Jalen's free throw attempts throughout the whole year. And you kind of get this data set, which is a little bit messy. And I had to clean it up a little bit. But essentially, I was able to extract kind of every trip to the line. And and I it was actually very simple from there, though. You just group by his making or missing the first free throw attempt. And so when he – let me get the exact number for you. When he makes – when he misses, we'll start with the miss. So when he misses – When he misses the first. The first free throw attempt. So you can have either one more or two more shots after that. Um, but he's only shot three free throw attempts like five times this year. So <laughs> – his free throw percentage after missing the first free throw attempt is 72.4%. His free throw percentage after making the first free throw attempt is 83.5. So this is his free throw percent on the ensuing free throws. Yes, so on like that one's the afterwards, the second, the second or the third. third. Okay. So we're seeing a Damn. 11% increase. Dude, it's totally in his head. After making that first free throw attempt and yeah. Totally in his head. Exactly. That kind of proves it. Very bit. very mental shooter. And so, yeah, I just thought that was interesting because, I mean. Decided some games. It's decided some games. But I feel like since that Lakers game, he's been pretty solid. What was the game? Was it – who did we play right after that he – The Lakers one was where he hit – The Lakers one, yeah. So it was the Knicks one we lost. And then the Lakers, yeah, he he clutched up for us. Um, So, yeah, that was just um, a fun find that I wanted to share with everyone. Um, And I haven't done – the same analysis on the rest of the league, but I'm not trying to say Jalen's different from everyone else. Cause I'm sure that we'd see maybe, a, maybe not 
as big of a jump of 11%, but I feel like we'd see a similar trend of yeah, kind of a, a, a confidence boost feel better in, about in the ensuing free throws. First. Yeah. So, but yeah, Good just find, something man. interesting. Good find. Thank you. Thank you. I have, I know we're kind of jumping around right now, but I've got one, one more question from, from Kian. Oh, let's go. Okay. Kian, for you, you give, wants to know why coaching is overrated in the NBA and oh. if, if you agree that statement or not. Um, okay. I do not agree with that statement. I'm yeah. going to have some case studies. First case study, which for Kean's favorite team is the Nets. So with Steve Nash, the Nets were pretty bad. They had very bad chemistry. They weren't playing well. They still had Kyrie. So you could say maybe it was Kyrie, but with Nash, they were not playing well at all. And then they fired Nash and Jack Vaughn came in. And with the when the Nets were 100% healthy, they were looking like one of the best teams in the league. They won several games in a row. They won like 13 games in a row. Um, so case study number one, I feel like a new coach makes a huge difference. Case study number two, we were pretty mediocre with Brad Stevens. You throw Ime Udoka in their first season. Yeah, we started out rough, but we made the finals the next year. Something Brad could not do in any of his six Whoa. or seven Brad seasons. Brad hate for no No, no, reason. I'm not hating Brad. Brad, I love Brad. But oh my gosh. it's just the coaches make a huge difference for the locker room, for the culture. It depends if the players respect the coach a lot. Just because the Celtics are good right now with Missoula, just as much or maybe better than they Seems were with Seems like Udoka, they respect him. They respect him. That's why. And it's because... Mazzula was coaching under Udoka, so he like knows what works and what doesn't with these t- with these players yeah. with this team. So I think saying coaching is overrated is is blasphemous. I think. Um, yeah. What, no, what that's do you think? That, those are good points. I think it is very important in terms of locker room, getting guys to yeah. buy in the culture, like you said. I feel like Udoka yeah. did a good job at, with that at the end of the year, um, and. And it's really important to have a coach who can motivate and get people going right. in the NBA. But I I will agree with Keen and say it's a little bit overrated on in terms of on court play. Mm-hmm. I think like especially in today's NBA. Yeah, where it's just I mean th- there's so many stars yeah. and that obviously matters way more. Like Brad Stevens, a great yeah. on court X's nose guy, right? Versus like Ime Udoka. Obviously, well, Brad had a ton of success first, let me say. But, he like, he couldn't get the Celtics over the hump, like you said. Udoka did. Yeah. Steven's much better X's and O's guy and probably a better basketball mind than Udoka. Right. But Udoka was able to kind of get everyone locked in on D, get everyone motivated, ready to play, and I think that was so yeah. important. I think there are two different kinds of coaches. There's totally. the X's and O's guy, and then there's, a like, a Stars coach. Like, Brad couldn't get out of the Stars what Udoka could because I feel like the X's and O's just works more for, like, those more underdog teams with less like ball dominant, less like flashy players, um, as opposed to Udoka, who is kind of like more free range, less drawing up plays, more yeah. so trusting your stars to make the right pass, make the right play. I um, mean, I think yeah. that's why we're a lot more successful now with Udoka and Missoula, those types of coaches, than we were with Brad. It's just because our roster has developed into the, a lot more star focused, where. We can now trust the players to make the right decisions and make plays on offense to win us the game. So Brad, no doubt, a coach like that is better with mediocre teams in in raising the ceiling of those teams a ton. But but I I do agree. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. Kean, thanks for the question, man. Great question. Fantastic question. 
All right. So before we wrap this up, we're going to be adding two little segments to the end of every podcast. So the first one is going to be looking ahead, and we're going to be predicting um, kind of the Celtics win or lose the, the coming games, and then we're going to keep a record for me and for Matt for the rest of the season. Oh, no, I'm going to win this. All right. We'll see about that. Um, so this week we have da, – da, da, da. Is there a prize for winner? Um, yeah, we'll come up with something. I don't have anything off the top of my head, but All right, we'll let you guys know what the yeah. prize is next week. Um, so three games this week, tomorrow night, Monday. Oh, we have four. Are we counting the Sunday one? Oh, it's your call. We won't. Cause I think we'll do the pod right before we'll do the pod before that. So the three this week, Celtics Pistons tomorrow in Detroit Celtics Sixers in Boston on Wednesday. Going to be a sick game. Then Hornet Celtics on Friday in Boston again. Matt, you get to go first this week. Nice. Let's hear it. Just I'm looking at the schedule right now, and just just to note, it looks like. Oh, never mind. The Sunday game's at two. So yeah, it's we'll, weird we'll do that for that's so weird. Yeah. Um. All right. Going back to the three. So at Detroit versus Philly versus Charlotte. No pressure. Do I go game by game? It's not yeah. like an overall. Yeah, league game record. by game. Okay, Detroit. I think you might say lose, so I'm gonna go with win. Okay. Um, I'm gonna catch you on that. I'm gonna go win. Win at Detroit. Oh, this is kind of a a homer answer by me, but I think three and zero. Okay. <laughs> I think, as you said, we get. We're usually ready to play against the top teams in yeah. the East. Um. The Philly game should be a great game, but I, yeah. I I think I trust us to come ready to play. And then I think Detroit and Charlotte are just too yeah. poor defensively. Like, do you remember Tatum scoring 50 against Charlotte like a yeah. week ago or two yeah. weeks ago? Like, they just can't – they can't guard him. So um, – I'm going three now. Okay. <laughs> I Okay. So, I'm actually going to go win against the Pistons. Oh. I, I thought about it a little bit more. I'm obviously – I was talking so much shit about the Sixers early on in this episode, so obviously we're going to win against the Sixers, but I might have just jinxed it, so who knows. And then my hypothesis is we're going to arrest someone, Tatum or Brown or maybe both, on Friday. And so I think we're going to lose to the Hornets on Friday. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. And I'm assuming also we don't have Marcus Smart for uh, yeah. for the three games. Yeah. So – so three and, and I think it just it just looks like a good rest night right there between the Sixers and the Grizzlies games. But yeah, rest up before we'll Memphis, see. Milwaukee, yeah, and then exactly to close it up before the All Star break. Yeah. But we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, cool. So we'll write those down, and then the last segment is we're calling it the state of the Celtics. So based off how they've been performing recently, that's kind of up for each of us to decide what recently means but are they either on the rise stagnant or on the decline so we each pick one and kind of explain why we think that um do you want to go first Matt or should I you started out all right so don't hate me for this but on the decline two and four in the last six I know we were at a nine game win streak before that but I just feel like I don't love where our energy is at right now, and I'm going to go with on the decline right now. 
hate you for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I just haven't been too impressed with – we talked about this a bunch today, but their lack of effort, their choosing of which games they want to show up for. And then I just don't love how the whole smart injury has been affecting them. And assuming I'm guaranteeing that I'm, – I'm assuming that he's not going to play until the break, until after the break. So I'm just a little bit worried. Um, and then we have these big games coming up, so – who knows? But I'm setting them up really well to prove me wrong and surprise me and make me really happy by by getting some big wins before the All-Star break. So we'll see. Matt, what do you think? I think I'm going to go with stagnant. Okay. Obviously, two and four is not good right. in the last six games. I thought the Brooklyn win – was probably one of the best games we played all year. I know Brooklyn was a little yeah. undermanned, but our offense, this was like how it was at the beginning of the year. Right. We were just running, could not miss. Like, it, it was it was great. Um, Phoenix game was tough, and obviously last week was a little little rough. Um, right. But I think, I think we're ch- chugging along. Okay. Yeah. You're more optimistic than me. I... Obviously, if they go ahead and and drop two of the three this week, mm. big flip. Could and be. that'll be that'll be tough. They could totally drop the Pistons game too. Dude, the Pistons were more of an issue last year, weren't they? They, they were. were like the magic of this yeah, year. Yeah, right? they were. I don't know. I'm just a little skeptical. Yeah, they but could. We'll see. But yeah, it's, I I'm I'm sticking with stagnant for now. But with okay. a tough week, it could it could it could drop even lower. But they could also go three and zero, and then. We might be on the rise next week. We'll see. Um, All right, cool. So thanks. That'll wrap up episode two. Um, We may slash probably do a trade deadline special episode just to recap what happened, either even if it's with the Celtics or without on Thursday night. Um, So stay tuned for that. And then, yeah, we'll be back next Sunday for our usual time. All right. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. See you later. Thank you.